Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From a new studio in a new year, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Happy New Year. Bobby Blanco here. Be joined shortly by Amy Jennings from her own home studio here in Washington, D.C. Hope everyone had a safe and healthy New Year uh, to start off 2021 and happy holiday season. We know uh, that it's been some troubling times in our country over the past couple of days and, and the, obviously the last year or so. So we hope that the next 45 minutes to have half hour uh, is uh, a little break for you, a much needed break and get to be able to talk some Nationals baseball and sports in general. Let's bring on Amy Jennings uh, right now as we are uh, live on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram uh, and uh, excuse me on YouTube. Um, it is going to be a tough show today. I am riding solo in terms of uh, producing the show. Uh, so, Amy, thanks for joining me from your home studio. Really appreciate the time. Uh, how did you spend your holiday season? And Happy New Year to you. And uh, what'd you get? What'd you celebrate? Um, and, and how have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, first, I'll give you kudos, Bobby. For anybody watching, you don't know everything that he's doing. He's running like a... I picture like a scientist, like a mad scientist. Pretty soon his hair is going to go crazy because he's like doing everything himself. So way to go, Bobby, over there. But um, my holidays, my holidays are really good. Um, I spent a lot of time with my family, which is always really nice. Um, I think the highlight probably of the last two weeks, um, I think for you and I both has to be the Washington football team making the playoffs. That's pretty exciting. And um, anytime I get to watch those games with my family, it's even better because it's probably the same for you, Bobby. It's that's why you're a fan, right? That's that's who got you into it. Um, and we've gone through some rough years. It's my parents who, who remind me of the good old days of the Washington football team. Um, so we're hanging on to that. And it, it's pretty exciting. They're going to be in the playoffs. And what little more than 24 hours until we get to see them play yeah for better yeah. or worse yeah and um you know for those watching on facebook youtube or twitter i am wearing my washington football team t-shirt had to represent uh you know it's actually kind of funny because yeah i think for a long time not just washington football team aside uh, the other teams in town didn't really celebrate the football team they kind of kept their distance we know the nationals and the capitals have a great relationship um the wizards and the capitals obviously shared an arena there they go back and forth even the dc united team across the street from nats park have a lot of fun together uh and the, and the football team out being in landover and in ashburn were kind of separated but i think it was kind of cool we saw this um on twitter uh the night that the, uh, the football team clinched uh, congratulations from the nationals playoff bound congrats to the nfc east champs juan soto flashing the ring uh chase young right there so maybe with the change of the guard and then the new regime in in uh, over at landover uh maybe we're seeing some more uh friendships bond and communication and teams supporting each other in the city which i always think is fun but yeah i, I agree it was uh it's awesome seven and nine be damned they won the division albeit a, a bad division um, and we'll get into division winning a little bit too. Uh, but you know what? I'm excited too. It's, it's been a great ride uh, to see this team come from projected to win maybe only three games to win seven in the division and playing in that extra weekend. Amy, I'm really pumped, and I think it's going to be um, – they could lose – 
that's fine. I, I was more concerned with them losing on Sunday against the Eagles, uh, but they're playing that one more game. They're playing the GOAT and Tom Brady. What more could you ask for? At least they have a fighting chance. Yeah, that's exactly what we were, we were talking about. You know, you'd like their chance. I mean, you, you'd like them. You'd, you'd, uh, you'd appreciate them making the playoffs. They lose this week. It's, it's a completely different story if they, than them losing to the, to the Eagles last week. So it's exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to it. That graphic of Juan Soto and Chase Young is, is pretty awesome. Two, uh, two young guys holding their own in uh, Washington. Yeah, there's got to be the two top uh, superstars in D.C. right now in terms of professional sports, right? I mean, you've got the number two overall pick and Chase Young, a local guy, went to DeMatha and Juan Soto burst onto the scene, I guess now technically three years ago um, and, you know, has been an MVP conversation, uh, gold glove conversation, silver slugger. Um, you know, it, it's just these two. You love seeing two young faces become leaders too. Chase Young, a captain uh, for the football team. Juan Soto, we know, is a vocal and emotional leader for this team. Never forget the chest pounding after his double against uh, – in the wild card game in 2019 to really kickstart that championship run. Uh, it, it's, it is kind of a changing of the guard here in DC, not just for the nationals, but for other sports teams as well. Um, and, and becoming a little bit younger, having fresh faces and really having them kind of drive their teams. Um, so, Football aside, Amy, let's get back into baseball because that's where we are, a baseball podcast. Um, uh, we want to present our 2021 wish list for the Nationals in just a little bit. But first, we're going to kind of recap the end of the year that was 2020, the last couple of weeks. We haven't podcast, I think, uh, since the end of the so-called winter meetings uh, back in the studio. Again, we're back in our homes now, fully remote. I have my home studio set up here in D.C. You're in your home studio as well. Um, so we haven't caught up in a bit while we've been doing this transition. So there was some news being made. Uh, first and foremost, I think, you know, Nationals fans got to say goodbye to uh, a Nationals legend in Howie Kendrick as he retired on uh, December 21st posting on his Instagram and that's going to be it that we'll see from, from Howie for a long time uh, well at least until we see him return to Nats Park uh, in a celebratory manner. Right I mean Howie Kendrick I mean you can't really talk about the Nationals World Series win you can't talk about the, that entire playoff run without talking about Howie Kendrick he was of course the MVP of the um, NLCS and then he had that go-ahead um, home run in game seven of the World Series so he was the name of those games and this is a guy who didn't get any looks out of high school finally made a Juco roster and then put up a 15-year career for himself so congratulations to Howie on his retirement I think national fans will truly miss him um, but he was He's 37 years old, fighting injuries, and he put up the numbers he needed to for this team, and, and he'll be missed. Yeah, he would. I and mean, you look at his career stats in Washington, I think a lot of people forget he came over in a late-season tray from the Phillies in 2017, played over 230 games for the club, a 316 average professional hitter. I mean, I mean, this guy, from the day he got here, that was all that people could say is that he hits the baseball, uh, hits 30 home runs, 113 RBIs, an OPS nearing 1,000, which is pretty impressive for a man his age to come over and be that productive at the plate. We know about his defensive woes, but that's not the case right now. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about his production at the plate and in that lineup. And, and obviously he suffered an injury that kept him out for most of one year. Uh, but to see him come back and have the year that he had in 2019, you mentioned the uh, NLCS MVP. Don't forget about the Grand Slam in Game 5 against the Dodgers, the home run in Game 7 against the Astros to, to win the World Series, essentially. Uh, 
he's going to be a legend in Nationals lore. I mean, if this guy ends up becoming uh, a Nationals Ring of Honor entry, I would not surprise me at all. He kind of carried this team to uh, not only a playoff uh, appearance, but a, a world championship. So, yeah, Howie Kendrick retires. A phenomenal season for him. Congratulations to him, like you mentioned. Um, you know, it was kind of surprising, Amy, to me a little bit. I thought we we heard that Howie was going to try to give it maybe one more go. 2020 wasn't the kind of season that he wanted to to leave his career at, but sounds like he decided that it'll be best for him and his family if he does call it uh, a career uh, and, and happy for him. Unfortunate that it the 2020 season went the way it did, but you know I think in all of our minds and minds across baseball, he would have he's exiting the game as a champion. He is, and it, it was sad to see him get hurt in 2020 and have that season that he did. You don't want him to go out and on on that note and I think that's why he expressed um, some interest in coming back and finishing his career in 2021 on a high note but it's you know it's tough it's tough to make that call it's tough when is the right time to leave the game um, when you're battling injuries and coming off a crazy year like 2020 was um, it makes the most sense so congratulations to him and another guy we know won't be back with the Nationals officially is also Eric Dames he signed with a Japanese club on New Year's Eve it's the same club that um Gerardo Parra is with, actually, Bobby. Yeah, how funny is that? I mean, I think <laughs> Nationals fans... Now, of course, Parra and Thames were never actually teammates with the Nationals, but uh, it's just another reason to celebrate or maybe root for that team overseas uh, in the future as, as the Japanese league gets underway later this year. Uh, because Para, of course, Baby Shark, another emotional leader in that clubhouse for this team, had a good, strong start to his uh, Washington career uh, when he first came over early in, was it May or June of 2019? But obviously tailed off, only made a couple of appearances in the postseason. But he was an emotional leader guy. And we saw Eric Thames struggle this past season. He did not have uh, the numbers that we thought he was going to put up, you know, with the big home run and power numbers, uh, only hitting, I think, a handful of home runs and maybe a couple of RBIs, a lot of strikeouts. He just didn't have a season. We can attribute that to, you know, a lack of a regular spring training, um, a lack of everyday reps. I mean, there's a lot of uh, factors that we've gone over at Nauseam, Amy, about why uh, guys struggled this year. And we're going to talk about some guys that didn't struggle this year as well, too. But yeah, Eric Thames goes over to Japan. Uh, you know, we know that he played overseas before coming uh, back to uh, uh, the major leagues and and signing with the Brewers. Uh, and then, of course, the Nationals. But uh, congratulations to him. Best of luck. I think Nationals fans will always appreciate at least the effort and, and the emotion that he gave. Amy, don't forget, this is a guy that in one of his last uh, in-season press conferences was in tears uh, because of how badly he had played. And he felt bad that he let the team down, he let his manager down, and he let the fans down. It wasn't for a lack of effort from from uh, Eric Thames. It just didn't click in 2020. So I think Nationals fans can at least tip your cap to him for that aspect um, and wish him the best as he moves on uh, over in Japan. One more thing of note, obviously the big trade coming down on Christmas Eve. I don't know about you, Amy, but I was getting settled in to have a little socially distanced Christmas Eve party. Uh, with my family, uh, um, you know, my Guatemalan side of the family, we, Christmas Eve is usually our day to celebrate as opposed to Christmas Day. So we kind of do the big family thing. And that day we were able to spread out and be safe. Lo and behold, news comes down that the Nationals making a trade and they get their first baseman for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that was in true Nationals form, right? It, 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 if the timing inconveniences you, they're going to do it. But um, what was your first reaction to this move, Bobby? Uh, my first reaction was, why now? <laughs> Does it have to be right now? <laughs> um, 
but my second was, you know what? It, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, this is a guy, Josh Bell, for those who don't know, he came up in a lot of trade talks over the past couple of years as the Pirates have kind of started you know, this rebuilding process. And then there was conversations, well, maybe he'll be a piece that they hold, they will hold on to and extend and, and be a, a core feature, uh, a veteran piece in this team that's going to get younger and try to compete a couple years down the line. But then I thought, you know, this is a power. I mean, he was an all-star in 2019. His numbers a couple of seasons ago were fantastic. He had over 30 home runs, over 100 RBIs. Uh, is defensive is glove isn't right there, but this is a guy that you can immediately plug and play in your lineup. He's going to be your opening day starting first baseman. He's got a couple more years of control left. He's a Scott Boris guy, so we know that uh, his agency and his representation have a relationship with the Nationals and the ownership group. So it's a guy that maybe you can see how he plays in, in this upcoming season and maybe extend him. And now he's your long-term first baseman, a power bat that right. you would hope can be consistent at the plate. Again, the defensive side isn't right quite there, but maybe this opens the door even a little more for Ryan Zerman to come back on a short deal. And he's your defensive replacement at first base. I, I, I was surprised, uh, Amy, when it first came down, but the more and more you kind of read into it and you hear quotes from Josh Bell and Mike Rizzo, I think the more and more it made sense. And I, I'm excited. National fans should be excited for this get and i think we because we didn't know everything was uncertain at first base you and i haven't really talked a whole lot about first base right. so when this trade first went down it, it was kind of surprising and then my first reaction was you remember the 2020 season he had and you're like we're giving up a little too much here number eight number 10 prospect and eddie yeen and will crow um but then you remember 2019 and you remember his bat, right? He had an all-star season in 2019. He had 60 extra base hits prior to the all-star break that season, which is the most ever for a National League player. Um, he gives them that big middle-of-the-order power bat that they've been looking for. And we thought that maybe it would come in the form of a corner outfielder because we've kind of avoided talking about first base and we've kind of avoided about talking about whether a DH would be back or not. But the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. And it does present an opportunity for for Zimmerman to be the backup. You know, um, he he is was a switch hitter, and we know Zimmerman's bet good against lefties. So that... that pre- um, presents a good balance between those two. So I think, I mean, I, I think Zimmerman, it, it'll kind of be like last season, all the trades will shake out, all the signings will shake out, and then they'll offer him and come to an agreement if that's the case, if he wants to come back. Um, but but it might be a good balance. But, but like you mentioned, it, it's the defense. His defense just um, simply isn't there. So maybe they're going to need a backup first baseman that is a lot more reliable and then even maybe if there's a DH that presents a whole nother issue. But for right now, that was the big news over our break and the Nationals found their first baseman in Josh Bell. Yeah, you mentioned that we haven't really talked about the first base in a while because it was kind of up in the air. And we also figured that there were other holes that the Nationals needed to fill first and then they could address first base. Uh, You know, you have to also wonder how much the Howie Kendrick retirement played into this factor. I don't know if Mike Rizzo actually addressed that directly in his um, uh, meeting with the media after the announcement was made. Um, but, you know, we, we anticipated that, again, 
Howie Kendrick would return in 2021. He's a guy that he can't play every day, but he can give you solid first base, obviously a professional hitter, uh, and you could probably pair him with Ryan Zimmerman or somebody else to be your first base group. He retires on the 21st, the 24th, the Nationals make this trade. So you wonder how much uh, his retirement really played into Mike Rizzo pulling the trigger and going after Josh Bell. He mentioned that they had been talks there have been talks going all the way back to November, but I wonder if over those couple of days since the Howie Kendrick announcement, those talks really kicked up. Um, and then again, like I said, with Howie out of the picture, you add your first baseman. If, if, if Ryan Zimmerman can now find uh, a, a deal somewhat that is both club friendly and, and, and respectful to him as a, as a veteran and, and, and the leader in the face of this franchise, you know, this could be a good pairing. And Josh Bell is a switch hitter. He does face right-handers better than he faced left-handers. So there's a good one-two punch right there. You could pinch hit uh, Zimmerman against lefties or or maybe start him against st- good starting left-handed pitchers. Um, so I think that would be a good one-two punch, and we could see that come to fruition. Again, I think we'll see something come closer to fruition as we get closer to spring training, right? I think it will be a lot like last year where Zimmerman will be one of like the last signings uh, before the start of spring training uh, because they want to – fill out and see what their payroll is leading into the start of the season and, and camp before inking uh, Zimmerman's deal. And here's the good news is they got a bat for a lot cheaper than they probably were expecting. I mean, we talked about getting, when we were talking about the possibility of trading for Chris Bryant, um, we were talking about him coming off a, um, a not so great season and being able to get him a little bit more affordable. And I think that's the case here. You get this big bat and if he's in his 2019 form, you get him for a lot cheaper than he was worth back then. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point. Um, and that pretty much wraps up the end of 2020 and the start of 2021. Uh, just another thing of note is that the Nationals did sign a couple of minor league contracts. Luis Avilan is a left-handed pitcher. He's 31 years old. Javi Guerra and Wellington Casillo also signed minor league deals over the past couple of weeks, so we'll see them in camp uh, with invitations to Major League Spring Training. Uh, before we move on to the wish list, Amy, and this will kind of tie into my first wish, the big news of the day around baseball yesterday was, of course, the New York Mets and Cleveland Indians trade. Uh, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco go to New York for a handful of, of prospects and young players. Uh, the Mets are all in. This ownership group is not messing around. They are trying to make New York a, a big buyer market and contender immediately. Uh, it's maybe good news for New York fans, not so good news for uh, DC fans, as the Mets now are just catapulting into the pro- probably projected standings of the NL East. You already got the three-time division-winning Braves, uh, and, and they were a game away from the World Series last year. Uh, you got the twice-removed defending world champion Nationals. The Marlins are no pushovers. The the Phillies have a stacked roster. Uh this is, was a, a surprising move, a big move, but it, it affects us here in D.C. in terms of uh, the NL East might be the best division in baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, we know the Marlins can compete. The Phillies are in a little closer situation um, that, we, that the Nationals are. But, you know, we, just like you said, the Braves are always in it. And then you have the Mets, who I guess... You know, all of baseball is moving so slow right now. And Stephen Cohen, new owner, I guess that's all they needed. I mean, he didn't really feel the the financial downfall of 
2020 that a lot of owners probably did. He wasn't affected, so we got right in there and uh, got out his checkbook and went to work. But the Mets, I mean, they're loading up, and this is going to be the team to beat in the NL East this season. I mean, just put put Lindor aside. I mean, look at their rotation, Bobby. That's true. I mean, the team to beat. I don't know. I, I'm always on the on the uh, side of the defending division champ is the team to beat. I mean, don't. Don't count out the Braves just yet. They've also made some early moves, I think, going back to November and to adding some pitchers, uh, re-signing pitchers. And, of course, that lineup is absolutely stacked. So I don't know if they're auto- the automatic favorite. I would say they may be the automatic favorite for second place or a wild card. Uh, and they're going to be the Nats' best contender. If if they if no one can knock off the Braves, they're going to be the Nats- Nationals' biggest contender, not just for second place in the division, but for a wild card spot. I mean, not to look too far ahead, Amy, but we could be seeing a Nationals-Mets wildcard game in either D.C. or New York come October if we get the full season in. Um, so that's something to look forward to and also kind of scary. You always want to avoid right. division in a one-play one, uh, game, in a winner well, in game. Here's the thing is we know they're, they're still, I mean, that checkbook's still open. They need a few more bats to fill out that lineup but right. let's say they go out and get them then they have that rotation they have DeGrom, Stroman, Syndergaard once he's healthy and now Carrasco that's going to be be a tough team so the NL East is not is not going to be anything to laugh at this season which makes it a little worrisome for <laughs> the Washington Nationals going into 2021 but we don't know what they're going to do yet they haven't made a whole lot of moves and maybe they will so we'll see yeah absolutely well let's get into our wish list for 2021 now that we're looking ahead um, because are not quite new year's resolutions they aren't quite um holiday wish lists they're just kind of like i'm not a big resolutions guy anyway amy so i i kind of go into the new year like all right here's what i want to accomplish or here's what i wish will happen or something like, here's what i'm gonna try to make happen i'm not gonna be a, a resolution type guy so we're gonna avoid that but just a wish list here's the thing here there are a couple of things that we want to see from the nationals um in, in the small term, in the long term, and in, in the grand scheme of things, or, or maybe in on the individual level. We'll see. But we've got a handful of them. Also, if you're watching us live on Facebook, Twitter, uh, or YouTube, be sure to comment along with your own wish lists for the Nationals this season. And to piggyback off that previous conversation, Amy, the first one I have for 2021 is win the division. The Nationals have not won the division in three years. The Braves are three-time division champs, uh, defending champs. Like I said, they were also a game away from the World Series last year against the Dodgers. Uh, some say they maybe should have even won that series and gone on to the, the Fall Classic, or I guess it would yeah, uh, yeah, I guess it was played in November, October. Um, but, you know, the Nationals, this is the, their longest division drought since they won their first one in 2012. And this was kind of a staple. You know, we, we got used to them winning the division at least every other year. They won back-to-back in 16 and 17 under Dusty Baker, but haven't won since. And, you know, I, I know that you would always take the World Series championship over a division championship. That goes without saying in my in my book. Uh, but, you know, let's get back to competing and, and, and not have to rely on getting into the postseason um, but via a wild card game, a, a win and in type situation, uh, and, and you know, play a series with home field advantage, or, or at least know that you have a five game series to play instead of counting all you putting all your chips in on one game. We know that worked out in 2019, but you can't count on that working out every single time. Uh, to me, Amy, I'm kind of sick of seeing the Braves on top of the division already. Let's see if the Nationals can knock them off and, and get back into winning division crowns. 
Yeah, I mean, if you have your choice, you you always want to win the division because you're a lot more safe up there than you are having to play that one game back in the old format. Um, and assuming it goes back to that, that one game wild card. Um, and I think if you, you asked the 2019 Nationals, they would have much rather been on top of the division than, than battling their way um, into it, uh, battling their way into the playoffs. So you always want to win the division. It's not looking um, maybe as possible as it was a few months ago or rather sure. a year ago, uh, but you never know. And that, that, that is a wish and that um, puts them in a, a much better situation um, than have it relying on other teams to lose, other teams to win, uh, and make uh, force yourself into those the playoffs, rather. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's... it's but definitely less likely. Maybe not less likely. Definitely harder now. I mean, like I said, we just talked about how the good the Mets are going to be, how much better they're going to be. New ownership. You know, maybe we could we might have to stop saying the Mets will Mets uh, because with this new ownership, they're looking like they're turning a corner and becoming a new new franchise. Uh, it's definitely going to be harder to win the division, I think, than as ever. But, you know, to me, that starts by winning in the division. You know, you have to beat the teams that you're going to face the most. You know, you're going to, if we end up playing a 162-game season, they're going to play each team 19 times. And, you know, I know it was a shortened season, but the Nationals went 17-23 and 23 against the division in 2020. Uh, and that's just not going to cut it. We saw that they finished tied for last with, the, with those same Mets. So... Uh, you know, I think that's where it starts. You win the division by winning in the division during the season. Beat the teams you're supposed to. Uh, the Marlins aren't supposed to be... They're not a pushover anymore. I mean, they're not the best team, but they're not a pushover anymore. The Nationals did really poorly against the Phillies last year. I believe only 3-7. and seven. Uh, They went 6-4 and four against um, uh, New York and, and Miami, and then they were 4-6 and six against the Braves. So kind of coin flips there, but you got to beat the teams you're supposed to be. And that goes back to even back to those 2013, 2015 season, 2018, even when they miss out in the playoffs and you look where, where do you start? I always look at in division record and they're sub 500 and that's just not going to cut it. Uh, so I, I think they can start doing that by winning within their division once the season gets going. All right, Amy, that's my first wish. What is your first wish for 2021? On the top of my wish list is that their pitching stays healthy. Um, we know that the Nationals put a lot, almost all their stock into their pitching. They have almost $100 million tied up in their top three starters in 2021. So they don't stay healthy. They don't produce for you. You're in a lot of trouble. Um, and we saw those. We saw that struggle. And it, you know, it goes beyond just your starting rotation. It's the bullpen, too. We know throughout all of 2020, Nobody could stay healthy. Straws out for the season. Scherzer had a little bit of trouble. Um, and then that bullpen, I mean, how many guys went on and off the IL in 2020? A whole lot. Um, so that's the key, especially when you have that much stock and value put into your starting pitching. They have to stay healthy. And for the Nationals, that's the key. That's right now. They have so many holes um, throughout their, their whole roster one thing they have is their 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 top three pitchers um, for 2021. So they need them to stay healthy if if they're going to do well and if they're going to win those division games. Because like we just said, we talked about the Mets rotation. They're looking pretty good. Um, so the Nationals, I mean, they have the talent, no doubt about it. They just have to stay healthy. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great point, Amy. And, you know, looking back at uh, the season, I mean, I think anyone can easily point to health as the reason why the 2020 Nationals didn't live up to expectations. You've got 
Steven Strasburg didn't play for the most of the season. He made, what, two or three starts and then had to call it quits. Uh, Patrick Corbin didn't seem to be the same. Uh, Max Scherzer was inconsistent and battled a couple of injuries. We know Joe Ross opted out of the season. So, yeah, it was kind of an up-and-down season for the Nationals uh, in terms of their pitching staff, and I think health is a major part of it. Look, these guys are also aren't in their mid-20s anymore. You talk about Max Scherzer, he's 36. Steven Strasburg is not too far behind. He's in his early 30s. Uh, so is Patrick Corbin. Um, yes, they're getting younger, but those three main guys are on the wrong side of 30. And, you you know, you would hope that they take care of their bodies, maybe with a full regular spring training. Hell, maybe even with the extra time off they had uh, due to the pandemic last year, that'll play dividends in 2021 because they didn't throw so many innings this year. Uh, it was kind of a year off, especially for Strasburg. I'm not pit, not throwing as much as you normally would. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, health is the main concern. I think any team will take health. But for this team specifically with the Nationals, it starts with the starting pitching. Uh, they have their best chance to win day in and day out when one of those three guys are on the mound. Um, and they have the best chance to be successful throughout the season when they're making close to 30 starts and pitching like they normally do. I think that's a great one. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, just like you said, I mean, any team needs their starting pitching, and if you don't have healthy starting pitching, you're in big trouble. Um, so that's true across baseball, but just like you said, that's where their money is. That's where their most talent is, um, so they, they have to stay healthy. So, Bobby, number two, what's, what's second on your wish list? Well, it's kind of tag-teaming with that. I'm going to go further down the rotation. Mine is going to be I want Joe Ross to solidify himself as the fifth starter. Look, I, we, I don't think the Nationals are done uh, in terms of looking for a, a fourth starter. I think they were going to eventually add someone into that rotation, and it's going to be the same old Ross, Fetty, Voth kind of battling out for that uh, fifth spot. And for me, I want uh, Joe Ross to take that spot. Uh, I, I think we've been kind of I've been at least personally been l- looking for that for the past couple of years. I know injury history plays a part in that. I know opting out in 2020 plays a part of that. But, you, you know, here's a guy who came in in a pinch uh, for game five of the World Series and pitched admirably. We've seen what he can do. This was pre-surgery, obviously, but we've seen the stuff that he has. And I think talent alone, one on one, like. If you're, if you're adding these three guys up or lining them up and saying who has the best stuff, I think Joe Ross gives you the best chance to win on a daily basis um, over Fetty and, and Vote. I, obviously, health plays in, into that um, and, and availability. But if, if Joe Ross is healthy and, and he's able to pitch a full season, I want him to be that fifth starter. Heck, maybe even vault into that fourth starting position at some point. Be the guy that the Nationals acquired you to be uh, that we saw flashes of a couple of years ago. Uh, uh, making good starts, getting deep into games, eating up innings. That's what this Nationals rotation really is going to need this season, Amy, I think, is innings from guys not named Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. I think Ross can be that guy if healthy and productive uh, and be the Ross of old. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm, ho- I'm hoping, I'm wishing that Joe Ross becomes the solidified fifth starter and a piece of this rotation moving forward. And that was their whole issue in 2020 was that their pitchers weren't going deep enough into games and then their their bullpens banged up. What do you do now? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can get solid innings, especially out of your number four and number five guy, that makes a difference. That makes a difference in in an entire season. Um, And just like you said, those three guys battling it out. I always thought that Joe Ross had had a slight leg up, um, was a little bit more 
talented than those guys at, at face value. Um, but you never know what you're going to get from a guy when he sits out an entire season. And I think that's going to be the issue is Joe Ross is really going to have to earn his spot, which, of course, any of those guys are going to be battling it out. They have to earn their spot. But Joe Ross has to do and show a little bit more because he just sat out an entire year. Not he didn't. I'm sure he wasn't sitting the whole time, but he didn't play. And that makes a big difference. Not you're, you're not seeing you're not out there in game action. That makes a difference. Right. And we actually heard from Joe Ross probably about a month ago now. Him and Josh Harrison held a joint press conference talking about their work with the Players Alliance. Uh, and they got some baseball questions in. And Joe Ross said he's been you know, working out and pitching and throwing with his brother Tyson pretty much every day. Uh, he, he maybe took a couple of days off at the beginning of the pandemic, but he worked out. It's not like he wasn't just sitting around on the couch playing video games or, or watching the games, whatever you, whatever it may be. He, he was putting his work in. So I, I trust that Joe Ross finally healthy. Um, you know, he might be a little rusty and that's to be expected, but he'll be healthy. He'll be strong. Uh, he'll be fresh and able to go deep into the games and, and into the season. So that's my expectation for Joe Ross. And, and you know, he, he might not be perfect right out of the gate. He might struggle a little bit. I hope the Nationals stick with him. I hope he finds his way. And I hope maybe by, you know, end of May, June, Memorial Day weekend type, we're thinking, okay, Joe Ross has turned a corner. He's going to be the fifth starter for this team, maybe even higher up that rotation, depending on what other additions or who else flashes in camp. Um, uh, and Joe Ross becomes a staple in this rotation, a guy that you can count on to, like we've always talked about, Amy, at least give you a chance, not be the reason they lose the game, at least give you a chance uh, and, and be a long-term solution for this rotation. All right, number two, up for you, Amy, what do you got? Okay, so number two for me, and it kind of goes along with that, is I need when they sign an outfielder to be a good defensive outfielder and not just settle for a better bat. Um, when they traded for Josh Bell, you see that 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 fills a hole in, in that lineup. That gives you that middle of the order big bat that you're looking for. So when you're going to sign an outfielder, don't sign a guy who, who you're going to settle for less defensively. Um, this is a Nationals team who is known over the last few years to struggle defensively. Um, in, in 2020, they ranked last in defensive runs above average and ultimate zone rating. And even in 2019, when they won the World Series, they... They weren't a great defensive team, but they got by because they had that starting pitching and they had healthy starting pitching. But when your starting pitching isn't healthy, your defense gets exposed. Um, and you never want to bust on Juan Soto, but his defense isn't at the level that his his um, offense is. And that's for sure. Even though he was a gold glove finalist, he struggles sometimes out there in left field and he might move to right field. We don't know how that's all going to shake out. Um, but they need a guy who who is a solid outfielder, especially the way their their defense is right now. It was last year and signing Josh Bell because he can be a defensive liability at first base. Um, and you're going to tie up all this money and you're starting pitching. I think it's really important to have have good fielding behind that or it doesn't matter if you're not going to give your pitcher any support out in the field. Uh, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great one, and I think it's a good point because I know a lot of fans want to see that big power bat added to the lineup. And and don't forget, we need someone defensively. Also, you know, he's not just going to be a DH. There's not going to be a universal DH 
uh, the National League, we expect, uh, at least uh, in 2021. So he's got to play defense, too. And, yeah, adding a power bat is great. I think that's kind of the downfall, I think, for a lot of people who want to see Marcelo Zuna be signed in D.C. His defense doesn't really come uh, his bat or doesn't match his bat. So I think that might be not a harmful signing, but you're not getting the full package there. And I'm looking at comments right now on Facebook, Amy, and we've got some guys. Tony Dillon signed Michael Brantley to play right field. I mean, that's a guy you can plug and play. You know you're getting production at the plate, and you know he plays solid defense. He's kind of getting up there in age, but, you know, he has a solid glove and a solid arm. He can play the position Right field was not that entire. Uh, he won't be a liability out there. Uh, you can keep Juan Soto in left, where he, we know he's comfortable, especially at Nationals Park. Uh, I think that's a great option that we've seen fans comment over the past couple of days or weeks, I should say, throughout the off season. Uh, Michael Brantley is a good target where you're getting glove production and bat production, uh, and you're you're getting an all around type player. I think that's a great option for them. Is there anyone else you see maybe aside from Brantley and maybe aside from Ozuna because of his defense struggles that you see the Nationals could target uh, in terms of playing a, a corner outfield spot? Right. Well, you know, from the jump, I was all on George Springer, but obviously that's not looking like a possibility anymore. Um, Like you said, with Brantley, you do get that bat. I mean, he's not the best defensively, but you get him a little bit cheaper because because he's a left fielder. Right fielders are usually a little bit more expensive. Um, You hear talks about Jock Peterson out there. Um, I'm not sure sure how he compares to them defensively and um, Schwarber's in, in talks, um, but he's not great defensively either. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if they have the same mindset as me. They might be trying to, to go after a bat out there, but those are the names that are seem to be in rumors right now mixed in with the Nationals. Yep, yep. So those are names to keep an eye out, and uh, I agree. I think that's a good point. It, like, like I said, not just the bat. We need someone who can play defense as well uh, in that spot. The Nationals are looking for someone who can also – uh, contribute on the defensive side. Uh, we saw defense dip a little bit this season, and we were used to seeing guys like Adam Eaton, like Juan Soto and Victor Robles fly, fly around. I mean, Robles and uh, Soto are two years removed from being gold glove finalists, like you mentioned. So let's get back in that conversation a little bit. Um, to that point, though, Amy, my next wish actually is this is more of an individual level as opposed to uh, a... Um, a uh, a team goal or a team wish. I would like to get back into uh, a finalist or the top of the top awards, the BBWA awards. I mean, uh, we haven't had we, the last year was the first year that the Nationals did not have a finalist for either MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, or Manager of the Year since 2013. Um, and every other year since 2012, besides 13 and 2020, they've had at least a finalist, if not a winner, in one of those awards. I mean, I know it's a team sport. We wanted the team to win. But let's get some recognition for the superstars we have. This is a top market team. This is a top payroll team. We've got superstars on the roster. Of course, Max Scherzer has multiple Cy Youngs. Uh, Juan Soto is a, a MVP caliber player. We saw Trey Turner possibly put his name into MVP consideration. He finished seventh in the National League ballot this year, the first time he's ever received votes. Um, we've got the arms. Davey Martinez, I think, has been snubbed uh, before for manager of the year back in 2019. Let's see if he can get back in that conversation. And maybe one of these young guys, Luis Garcia, Carter Cuba, I do not think will be eligible anymore. Uh, maybe one of these young guys can put their name into the conversation and become a rookie of the year. We haven't had a rookie of the year uh, since Bryce Harper back in 2012. 
I don't know. I, I think it, 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 Juan Soto was a finalist, of course, back in 2018, but lost to Acuna. Um, but, you, you know, it, it's obviously an individual level goal. I mean, obviously the, the end goal is to win games and win championships as a team. But for me, I would also like to see some uh, recognition on the national uh, level for our individual players because I think they deserve it. Uh, 2020 wasn't the year, obviously, but let's get back in that conversation in terms of winning individual awards. And that kind of goes into the next thing on my wish list, actually, Bobby, because um, I'm wishing that Trey Turner and Juan Soto have the seasons, can continue their great seasons that they they had in 2020. And we know those are the two key pieces in that lineup. Without them, that whole team would have fallen apart in 2020, even worse than they did. Um, so I'm hoping that they, they carry those seasons, especially at the plate, into 2021. And then they can be up for an award. I mean, if Juan Soto puts up those same numbers and is consistent and plays an entire season, has another MVP caliber season, he's going to get that one day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, again, I think we, we had, we did a whole podcast on whether or not uh, Juan Soto was snubbed for an, uh, an MVP, even though he missed 10 games. I, he led the league. <laughs> he led all of baseball in his slash line. I mean, you just, that just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, but in terms of Turner, you mentioned Turner. I, I mean, Mark Zuckerman had a great article this morning on MassInSports.com. Time for Turner to get his due, and in parentheses, and his dollars. You know, we, we saw Lindor be traded. He's one of the best shortstop in all of baseball. Now he's in the division. Uh, Trey Turner and Francisco Lindor actually have the same career OPS. And we saw the year that uh, Turner had last year. Uh, I mean, it was a career year for him. He was able to put together... Uh, one of the best offensive seasons that we've ever seen from a Nationals infielder or maybe overall. And it kind of went under the radar because, like you mentioned, Juan Soto also had a fantastic season. The team wasn't that great. So people maybe did not pay attention to the production that Trey Turner had. So if he's able to reproduce that uh, next year and kind of vault himself into a consistent MVP-type player, I think the Nationals won no doubt need to re-sign him and he make him your shortstop of the future. But two, I think they could be this could be one of the best signings or trades that the Nationals and Mike Rizzo have ever made. If if you got Trey Turner back in, what was it, 2014, 2015? And now, after a couple of years, he catapulted himself into an MVP conversation. I think that's best-case scenario for a, a team like the Nationals. That's what you want when you acquire players, that young players, too, that you can plug and play. You hope that they grow. You hope that they become MVP-type players. And, and Trey Turner could be a perfect example of that if he continues and is able to repeat his production from 2020 over a full 162-game season in 2021. Right. I mean, you mentioned he's been overshadowed, um, didn't get looks in 2020 just because his team wasn't good. And he'll never be a flashy player. He's a different player than Francisco Lindor is even. Um, I don't think he'll ever be a flashy player. But in 2020, he really came into to his own. He had a breakout season. And moving forward, he could be such a key piece. And it is time for the Nationals to pay him. Yeah. And that kind of goes into well, my next wishes, too, because I, I would say sign Trey Turner to an extension right now. And Mark mentioned in his article this morning that he's actually represented by the same agency that represents Ryan Zimmerman. And we've seen that they're more uh, willing to sign contract extensions before free agency. Trey Turner has free agency in two years. Uh, so maybe between now and then, or in a, over the, those couple months, we'll see an extension happen before he hits free agency. But again, if he has a season like he just did, 
in 2021, he might want to go test those waters and hit big on the market. So it'll be interesting balance. But to tie into your wish of not only Trey Turner and Juan Soto uh, wanting to reproduce their production, but also maybe sign Trey Turner long term. I'm also going to add Sam Max Scherzer to a small extension as well. Why not? I mean, this guy's giving you everything he's got. He's a, a multi-time Cy Young Award winner. He has been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Future Hall of Famer. He might be the first Hall of Famer to ever wear the Nationals curly W in the Hall of Fame, you know, when they finally make his bust uh, and, and hang it in Cooperstown. So it's, I, I think it's a no-brainer. He gives you production. He gives you that fight. He is 36 years old, but this is his last year uh, on, on, on under contract of this, this the, the seven-year deal he signed back in 2015. So I, I think it, is, it will be tough. He's, of course, a Boris guy, but... You know he's a fan favorite. He's the leader of this team. When when something happens in baseball, he's the guy that steps up to the microphone and answers the call uh, and speaks for the on behalf of the team. When the team isn't doing well, he's the one that responds to reporters. He's your wild card starter. He's your game one starter. He's your opening day starter. He's everything to this team. Um, I'm sure he'll want to test the market, but I, I bet you that he would be more willing to re-sign with the Nationals uh, for a couple of million dollars over a couple of seasons uh, than maybe relocate his entire young family uh, and have to kind of start all over for the later part of his career. I, I, I'll be willing to bet he would be okay, especially if this Nationals team keeps building and keeps being uh, competitors year in and year out and he has a, the best chance to win another championship here as opposed to somewhere else. And yeah, exactly what you just said. He is a Boris guy, but I would imagine at this point in his career, he's probably more likely to sign a one, two-year deal here or extension rather than completely uprooting his life just for who knows. It could be one or two more years he's playing. Um, we know Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer as gutsy as they come, and who knows? Maybe he'll play till he's eighty. I wouldn't even be surprised. Um, but. We don't know how many more years he has left in him, and I don't know if that would be top on my list just because of that. Um, and maybe that that'll depend on how he performs in his contract year. Um, yeah. But at this point, I'm I don't know how pressed I am. But if it's anything, it would be probably a one or two year max. Yeah, I, it's it's not top of my list for sure. It's it's definitely it, middle to the on bottom it though, on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, it's a Boris client, so. These things don't happen leading into a contract year. They're not going to happen in season either. They rarely do. It'll be something that we'll maybe looking for a year from now and the start of 2022 or the end of 2021. Uh, that could happen. Maybe, maybe you know, it could be a very similar situation to Steven Strasburg happen at the winter meetings. Uh, uh, and, you know, it obviously won't be that long and that much money, but same situation in terms of, you know, maybe he wants his get it done early. You know, he doesn't want to go through the whole process. He'll be 37 at that point. Well, who's going to want to go through the free agent process and just for another couple of dollars, a couple extra years when you could have a sure thing right here at home, uh, a city that's been home for him for the past seven years. Amy, do you have any more uh, wishes for the Nationals yeah, in the, 2021? The last thing on my list is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. We're talking about Max Scherzer who's at the end of his career. These are some guys that are just at the beginning of their careers. But I'd like to see the young guys step up in 2021, the young guys in Carter Keboom, Luis Garcia, um, but specifically Victor Robles. I mean, we know at this point, we need him to put to, to produce offensively. Uh, we talked about, well, I talked about not wanting to sign um, 
sign a guy just for his bat and, and settle defensively. Well, he's kind of the opposite. I mean, it's he's he's great defensively. You see him run around there and make those those great plays in center field. Um, his numbers fell off defensively a little bit um, th- throughout his career so far, um, but you need him to produce offensively um, if you're going to get him in the lineup and you shouldn't feel like, where am I going to put Victor Robles? He's a liability in this lineup. He has to produce. Um, and I think he's capable and maybe this off season he's working on it. I know he's playing, um, playing in the winter league, but you need him. You need him to do more. And I want key boom to step up. I want Luis Garcia to step up, but it's Victor Robles for me. He has to produce. You know what? Susan Carmen on our Facebook page agrees. I like to see Robles find his bat. Uh, and, in you know, aside from that, you mentioned the defense. His defensive numbers were even down a little bit this year, too. So, you know, was that to all the muscle weight that he added over the last offseason? That's a lot of speculation. Who's, who knows for really who's to say? Um, but, yeah, find his bat. Be more of an offensive threat. Uh, be the guy that you might be able to move up in the lineup a little bit. Depends who else, how else they fill it out. But if you also have an offensive threat at the bottom of the lineup, that's going to obviously help Davey Martinez um, in terms of the uh, the team that he fields on a daily basis. But yeah, Robles obviously has struggled uh, in 2020. Whether that's a mirage because of 2020 or if it's more of a bigger issue, uh, we'll see. Uh, him playing in the Winter League, of course, helps. But, you, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how he looks in spring training. I, maybe he needs to slim down a little bit. I mean, it's, it's great to put on muscle um, in terms of trying to add power, but maybe he lost a step in the field. Maybe he lost some quickness with his bat. Um, he, he doesn't need to be Juan Soto. He doesn't need to be, even be Trey Turner. He needs to be some uh, a, a notch or two down, and I think that's enough production for this team, and they could add somewhere somewhere else. You know, Josh Bell's going to add power. Uh, if they added another corner outfit, or they'll add power or speed or whatever. He needs to be the speedy threat uh, and, and an average hitter that the Nationals, you know, brought him up to be uh, at the bottom of the lineup in, in order to be his full productive self. So that's a great one. Uh, you and Susan on the nail right there. Uh, um, uh, Victor Robles finding his bat and maybe even another step in back in the outfield to uh, to return to his traditional form. All right, Amy, that's going to kind of wrap it up. Do you have any more just lying all around uh, on uh, on your list? No, I mean, I think the the most important thing is that they fill these holes. I mean, right now their roster construction's a little little wonky. Um, they have a lot of holes that they need to fill. And Max commenting on Facebook, he wants Bauer, Kluber, Ozuna, Springer, and like six bullpen arms. Um, you look at that list and you're like, oh, that's crazy. But really, they need all of those positions. <laughs> they need all of those type of guys. They have a lot of holes that they need to fill. So I, that has to be... Um, at the top of their list um, this offseason. They have to fill those holes. They have to figure it out if they're going to compete. Well, to the to the bullpen point, I, that was going to be my kind of last one um, that I uh, I wanted to add. Let's I, I, have a top 10 bullpen. Whether, whether that in the major league, I don't know. But let's be t- at least top 10 in the national league, maybe even top 7. Um, you know, you've got a lot of young guys coming back. We saw great things from Tanner Rainey, Kyle Finnegan, Kyle McGowan last year. Can they be uh, your everyday go-to arms? Can Rainey be the closure that they're asking for? You would hopefully you get bounce-back seasons from Daniel Hudson and Will Harris. You added uh, Sam Clay uh, a month or two ago to this, uh, a lefty that you needed. You know, let's maybe, we haven't had a really good bullpen in D.C. in a really long time, uh, and it's always a question mark going into every season. 
Uh, we saw flashes of young arms looking good last year. Maybe that's the start of something new. Maybe we can finally get uh, a bullpen that can rank in the top 10 in the, in the major leagues and be a fierce part of this team. Um, and that also helps out an aging rotation. We talked about the aging rotation already. Uh, a strong bullpen helps that immensely. So I think that's something that we could also hope for uh, in 2021 as a top and again, it doesn't have to be number one, number two, number three, top five. It just has to be suitable. A better than average bullpen, I think, will be acceptable uh, for this team. And you can get by with a lot of wins with this offense and that rotation. Right. And how, how I mean, just like you said, how long have we been talking about the Nationals bullpen? What was, I mean, going into every season, we're like, they need bullpen help at every um, uh, deadline. They need bullpen help. Um and we kind of, at the beginning of this season, we were like, oh, wait, the bullpen's not so bad. And then they kind of fell off. We saw flashes of hope in young guys, and then they kind of fall off or they get hurt. Um, and right now, it's crazy that we're really not talking about it. That's at the bottom of our list because I think there's so many holes to fill. There's so many expectations in the seasons that Turner and Soto um, had. And it kind of gets pushed to the side. And um Signing Clay was was big, but they need another veteran lefty arm out there, and they need bounce back seasons from guys like Daniel Hudson. Another good season from Tanner Rainey, just like you said. But can we please? Yeah, can they just have a, a decent, above average bullpen for once? Give the rotation some help and be able to pull out games for this team. Well, just to piggyback off that and to kind of wrap up this whole podcast real quick, my the very last wish I had is to give Sean Doodle another chance. Well, why not? I mean, this is a guy who's, again, who gave a lot to this team. We, we think that the, the beginning of the 2019 season is the reason he didn't really ha- he didn't finish strong. He kind of came back after injury in 2019, but didn't have a great 2020. Um, he's 34 years old. I don't know, and that's no offense to him, but I don't know how much interest he's going to gather from a lot of other teams. And we've mentioned this before, Amy. Who knows him better right now than the Nationals? Probably nobody. I mean, Mike Rizzo and his scouts and his team and, and David Martinez and his coaching staff probably know Sean Doolittle better than anyone right now. So if he looks good, if he can stay healthy, why not at least give him a chance to kind of redeem himself, be join a rotation? He might have to take a back seat to some of the younger guys who have proven themselves. But if he can stay healthy, he can vault himself back into uh, a reliable arm uh, late in games. And that just makes everyone else's job easier. We've always talked about how bullpen, the domino effect that any player can have is massive. If anyone slips up, they are asking for a lot of other players to carry more weight. But if everyone does their part, it just makes it easier for everybody else. It makes it easier on the manager. It makes it easier on the starting rotation. Um to move forward. So I, I would say, again, I'm not signing him to a major contract, a, a long-term deal, a lot of dollars, but maybe a one-year deal with an option for another. He's only 34 years old. That is a lot, but we've seen Will Harris have productive years uh, in his late 30s. Daniel Hudson's getting up there in age as well. Give him a shot. He's a fan favorite. You know the fans will love to see him back. If anything, it's a morale boost for this fan base to see uh, Sean Doolittle go out on his own terms um, in 2021 as a national as opposed to walking away like he did injured and battered and upset uh, and disappointed and sad like he did in 2020. Right, and you don't need a lot of out of him especially if he's going to take a backseat role they're never going to rely on him if they were to sign him again um like they they relied on him for those stretches in 2019 um but he's a guy if anybody's going to bounce back he can do it how many times has he bounced back how many times has he made big adjustments and fixed what was going wrong um 
you don't want to see him go out on the note he went out on. He could be useful for some innings here and there. Um, they're not going to have to rely on him a lot. Why not give him a chance? He's not going to get in a, a lot of other looks, especially coming off the season he had. They know him best. They know his work ethic. They know what he's capable of when he's healthy. Like you said, only 34, and they're not going to need him for a whole lot of innings. I say give him a shot, and there would be a, a big morale boost, and I would imagine in the clubhouse also for, for this Nationals team, Bobby. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of fans will see it. And it's worth a shot. Maybe if it's a smaller deal, it might not hurt you that much. And you've got younger arms that you're counting on. All right, Amy, thank you so much for joining me. It was good to talk to you. Good to talk some baseball. Uh, we haven't talked in a while. Uh, we've got our home uh, studios all set up. We're ready to go. Uh, really appreciate the time. And uh, stay safe out there. At Amy Jennings News for her on Twitter. Be sure to give her a follow. Um, she does a great job on her Twitter account. She's done a lot of work for us, and, and she can continue to do so. She'll be joining me, of course, throughout this offseason and into the season on the podcast. We've got, hopefully, a couple of guests, surprise guests and special guests joining us soon. Uh, so, Amy, thank you so much for joining me, and I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Bobby. Stay safe. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Mass and All Access podcast. Again, thanks to Amy Jennings for joining me. Thanks to you all who watched on Ma- on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Of course, you can catch the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. We really appreciate you rating, subscribing, spreading the word, um, and all that good stuff. We'll be back next week for more podcasts, more episodes, new information, whatever, new topics. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about this offseason as we get closer to the start of the 20- 2021 season. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. Be, give me a follow too. Give me a shout. Uh, go to hail to the Washington football team tomorrow. Good luck to them. Uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in and uh, stay safe. Stay healthy out there.